freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of episode 139 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, today our show's theme is Sweeter the Second Time Around, and this is a compilation best of show. Uh, Great discussion in the first hour with um, some parents. They happen to be not only parents and a married couple, but Dan, they have combat uh, and firearms training. So who better to talk about how to raise kids safely around guns? Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, yes, sir, right? No doubt. Uh, And they're great friends as well. And in the the lead-in, Dan had said that they produce our vintage pinup calendars, and those are so fun. And they are branded with all three of our brands, of course, um, Gun Freedom Radio, but also azfirearms.com and our auction house pot of gold estate auctions. And each year we produce those with just think of 1940s nose cone art for, um, you know, the, the air, the bombers, the bombers. Yeah. yeah, The planes. Um, very tasteful, very just cute and, uh, fun. And so we try to pair not only items that are going to be, or, or that we have sold maybe in one of our auctions with pot of gold estate.com, but also with, a firearm from AZ Firearms. And so it really uh, is a fun project to do. And uh, the Scott and Demi are such talented, not only photographers, but, you know, they conceptualize the, the, the way to form a scene. You know, the only thing that puzzles me, wouldn't a, wouldn't a calendar be better if I was in it? <laughs> well, and a bathing suit? Um, yeah, honey, probably not. Let me just be oh. honest. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, if you can pull off, uh, you know, one of those cute little pinup uh, costumes with the, you know, very 50s style. If you could pull that off, then I, I would have no no qualms with it. But something guess tells I'm, me. Guess I'm going to have to find out what's in my closet. <laughs> there you go. Well, this segment we have coming up is a recording of an interview that I did on our friend Fred Masterson's show. Uh, he's got a podcast called Center Mast Podcast, and we covered a ton of ground uh, during the 45 minutes or so that I was on the air with him. But one of the things, one of the main purposes for the interview was we were talking about you know, how do we impact our world with whatever level of influence we have in whatever circles we're in? 
um, and realizing that we actually have a sphere of influence, right? We, we influence people, um, you know, it's one, there's this phrase called leading up. So even if you weren't the head of your organization or a, a quote unquote leader in your organization, you can definitely influence up. You can influence people who are, you know, your boss or your boss's boss or whatever. Um, you de- we definitely influence, you know, people who are younger than us or maybe hold positions um, that are lower on the employment rank than us or however you want to phrase it side to side um, peers we definitely influence and so you'll hear what I say about those things but I wanted to ask Dan you know what are your thoughts on how can we influence people you know there are people whose ears are closed they are never going to hear us if we aim at them then we're going to hit people maybe in the middle space who might be open to hearing us. Yeah, it's, it's really hard because, you know, there's some people out there that all they want to do is have you listen to them. They don't want to listen to your side of the story. And so it's difficult at that time. I mean, those you have to kind of label people, I guess, that those are the ones that you're not going to be able to talk to. But it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to identify those until you have a long conversation with them. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, there, there are people that are kind of on both sides, you know, want to hear the other side. And I, I guess the best key is not to force it down them, mm-hmm. but to kind of agree to disagree, but yet you courteous, you know, being courteous about it mm-hmm. and just say, yeah, I can understand how that you feel about that, but what if this happened, then how would you feel about it? Let's say you had a person that was anti-gun and they don't want to carry a gun. They don't want anything to do. They don't want anybody to carry a gun. And you said, well, you know, what if you were a victim? Mm-hmm. We see several victims out there that didn't like guns before, but then turned, I guess, to the other side because they don't want to be a victim anymore. Mm-hmm. So how do you, you know, one thing is like how to reach a person like that, how to reach a person that doesn't like guns before they become a victim. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's interesting because very often the, the other side of the debate from where Dan and I stand, they use very emotion-based language. And then our side so often we want to just keep using the, but it's my right gavel. And we just keep hitting the, but it's our right gavel. And I think we just miss each other because we're not even talking about the same part of the debate. Right. Yeah, I I was listening to that and I think, you know, so we see that when you become a victim, a lot of people change and say, look, I don't want to be a victim anymore. But then, so then they would come up with, well, have you ever had anybody in your family commit suicide? Wouldn't that make you not to want own own guns anymore? Some people do. And that, some people yeah. do switch from that. And some people say, no, I, I can't control that person. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sad that, that something happened to that person, but I still don't want to be a victim. I still want my rights. And, you know, let's step, let's find other ways to help people in situations that might be suicidal or an accident as accident child you know has a uh, a accident you know in the house with Mm -hmm. a gun Mm -hmm. you know we um we have to teach education we have to teach them how to handle firearms that kind of thing but 
So I, I'm not really sure how to do that because, but on our show, we've seen several people that were victims. Mm-hmm. Well, they were victimized. Right. They would say they're survivors. Well, they, right? at that point. Because they take that survivor mindset. At the, at the time that they decided to change and, and have a firearm before that, when they had that thing happen, they were a victim at that time. Sure. But then they decided, I will not be a victim anymore. And I don't know how many times, but it's been a lot that we've heard that. We will not be victims. Oh, that is so true. That is so true. But I, and I like what you started to touch on, and we've got to get we've got to launch into the show now. But um, to start healing the things that we know lead to suicide, lead to people engaging in criminal behaviors that you know lead to um, child safety things. Exactly. So if we start healing those things now, then the tool that everybody is is vilifying the tool that the people use when they're at their their worst moments and their lowest moments now it changes that whole conversation because we're we're healing our families and our individuals and our communities um anyway that is that's a great discussion we need to to think about that a little bit more but right now we're going to launch in strap on your running shoes because fred masterson and i on his center mass podcast talked about everything from red flag laws conspiracy theories the hr 57 assault weapons ban how to engage our circles of influence religion and raising two A smart kids all in under an hour. So get ready. Here we go. This show is brought to you by the Skillset Radio Network. For more Alpha Lifestyle podcasts, visit skillsetradio.com. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. Today we're fortunate to visit with Cheryl Todd, co host of Gun Freedom Radio, national speaker, national panel moderator, and guest on multiple news shows. It's going to be a great show, so load and make ready. It's time for Center Mass. Welcome to Center Mass, a professional look into guns and the firearms industry. With your host, Fred Masterson. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're fortunate to visit with Cheryl Todd, co-host of Gun Freedom Radio. Cheryl's also a sought-after public speaker, panel moderator, both local and national. She's been on pretty much every gun show on earth, and we are super, super thrilled to have her today. Cheryl, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Fred. Thank you so much for inviting me on, especially on uh, Thanksgiving week where, you know, we are so thankful for so many things. And this is one more thing I get to be thankful for. Oh, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, Cheryl's got a great show as well. I've been fortunate enough to be on her show and she's a bit of a rock star in the industry and I'm just this, this quiet little rookie. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty <laughs> happy to, to convince her. It, it, it took a lot of begging, maybe actually not. She was, she was pretty, she was pretty kind to hop on. So Cheryl, you're you're a major two A advocate. Um, we've talked quite a bit in the past, and I, I really like your position. I like the way you phrase things, the way you the way you speak about the topic. And I, I thought it'd be a great time to talk about this now. There's a lot of stuff going on, you know, the ongoing assault against the two A community. It's really it's it's a civil war, but it's a civil war of the minds, and it's a, it's an ideological uh-huh. civil war. And I want to just visit with you a little bit about that. So. One thing I'd like to talk specifically about is how do we reach those people that are on the fence? Now, what I mean by that, we have a lot of people that are not pro-gun, 
but they're not mm-hmm. really anti-gun either. They haven't really quite decided. They can kind of and kind of hear, yeah. They kind of understand both sides of the argument, but they they haven't really committed. So, um, what do you think? How, how do we reach those people? Hmm. Well, that is the gazillion dollar question, isn't it? Um, because that is our future. If we aren't able to effectively persuade people to understand our position as each new generation comes along, then uh, we are not going to ultimately be able to protect and preserve what our founding fathers set in place. And it We start our show, Gun Freedom Radio, every single show with a quote by Ronald Reagan, and he says, our rights, our values are always only one generation away from extinction. One generation. If if I am not telling my daughter, if I'm not teaching her, if I'm not instilling into her the same values and passions that I have – you know, I'm not saying make carbon copies of ourselves, but to help educate and engage. Uh, if I'm not doing that, well, then there's no way that she's going to do it for my granddaughter. So that is an incredible amount of responsibility. So just having the the sense of responsibility, what do we do with that? How do we engage? How do we help others understand? Uh, every one of us has a circle of influence starts in our home and of course we have to we have to be doing what we can do there we uh, some of us go to church some of us are in carpools some of us are on PTAs and it's about helping people know us as people you know not beating them over the head with uh, you know the Constitution oh, I was a worship leader for several years which is um, you know, singing and, and leading prayer in a Christian church in the, the more contemporary settings. And uh, the biggest thing that I would see turn people off in that environment is a holier than thou, right? I've got it all together and you don't kind of an attitude. Oh, yeah. And, and using passages from the Bible to just flog each other. That's never going to compel anybody to come on in and see things my way. And there are so many comparisons for me as I've moved into this space with the Second Amendment is to be so mindful of being a good ambassador for what you believe in um, and and being a welcoming and a reliable source of information because it's infectious. It's, it draws people to you. They won't even realize why they're drawn to you, but it's because you aren't, you know, speaking at them. You aren't angry and hateful. Yeah. Um, so I think that is kind of the core of it. Um, but so often we in the Second Amendment community we take the defensive stance. You can't blame us, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so we take the defensive stance, and then it permeates from everything we say and do, and that is never going to be the welcoming uh, position that's going to help move the ball forward for us. I agree completely. You you hit on several points that are really, really important to me. Um, One is the idea that we're 
it, it is really up to us. I think there's a lot of people that quietly, maybe subconsciously in the 2A community say, what are we going to do? And what that really means is, what are you going to do? So <laughs> yeah, it really we is with a, their finger pointed outward, right? Exactly. You know, and I, I point at, I use as an example, Massachusetts, or just look, look at the East Coast, but Massachusetts. Massachusetts is one of those anti-gun states in the union. And the utter irony of that is is almost palatable. But what has happened is this. It's been a slow cultural decay, firearms mm-hmm. cultural decay. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, 40 years ago, there was still, you know, gun ownership was high there. They hunted there. You know, it was still, I mean, look at all the manufacturers along the East Coast. Some of the major gun manufacturers are there. But culturally, slowly, guns were weaned out. Now you have entire generations that never even touched a gun or seen a gun. So Mm -hmm. it's almost a foreign creature to them. I train law enforcement, and I've seen cops come out there, come out of there with no gun experience whatsoever. Their academy visit is the first time they've ever even seen a gun. So your your point on that is is utterly epic because people, and I'm not trying to lecture people, but I'm trying to kind of light a fire here a little bit. Listen, it really is our responsibility. I teach my son, you teach your daughter, they'll teach our grandchildren and we'll help teach our grandchildren. It's really up to us. There, mm-hmm. we, there can be no pause. There mm-hmm. can be no pause. And also your point about comparison, uh, comparing the way that the church is perceived, the 2A community can be the same way. People get tired of being beat over the head with the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's always, well, it's my right. Well, I get it. Yes, it is indeed your right. But how can we say that? You know, How can we do this without it being us against them? Because mm-hmm. people in defense, a lot of times, they're not really comfortable with any sort of conflict whatsoever. And if we're, if we're overly aggressive or aggressive at all about our stance, it can really turn them off. It's so true. And, um, you know, my degrees are in psychology and counseling. I know. What the heck am I doing <laughs> owning a gun shop, uh, you know, being on the radio talking about guns? Um, there really is a lot of uh, a lot of uh, comparisons and that sort of thing. Not necessarily, you know, that it's about mental health, which is another whole topic that you could spend uh, a year talking about. But in psychology, if it, as a counselor, you meet people where they are. You don't, you know, prejudge them. You don't tell them, well, you shouldn't feel that way. And so I think just even taking more of a stance of finding the places where you can agree when you're in that that carpool, when you're, you know, with your group of friends going out for a beer or whatever, and just, you know, be able to find that place where you can genuinely say, man, you know, I get it. I know. I I can see how you feel the way you do about guns. Uh, It seems like they're all always bad. It seems like that's all we hear about them. And then once, once you've expressed that you get it, now this is a person to person level. This isn't, you know, something you can do from a, a massive stage necessarily. Yeah. But let's start person to person. And once you can get that, that, um, that cohesiveness of, you know, I get you, then, then there's an invitation for them to, to hear you as well. But here's, Here's my thought on it. Here's how I've grown up. Here's how I'm thinking about uh, things. That's going to go a long way towards uh, 
taking that divide out of the equation. Well, now, now we are a we. Well, what are we going to do about this? Can we find places that we agree and move forward? Now, what gets tricky is when we get to that ballot box. Yeah. That is a tough, tough thing because that is where so much of the divide has to be, right? We have to protect our Second Amendment rights. And people that, you know, maybe if they are even, I have several friends who are politically liberal. They are registered as Democrats, but they value their Second Amendment rights. I don't envy their position. How do they walk into a ballot box and be able to support the other ideas that they support under the Democratic and the liberal platform without obliterating and we are to that degree right now, oh, I would absolutely. I would say, right, obliterating their Second Amendment rights. I do not envy that at all. Well, it's a difficult choice. And that's honestly, I have the same question many times with friends in the, in the same situation. You know, what essentially comes down to what is more important to you? Mm-hmm. You know, you need to you need to weigh a social issue mm-hmm. or a constitutional issue. Mm-hmm. And that's where my frustration lies because voting for your team at all costs, there's a, there's a major price in that. There's a major, major price in that. So maybe on one social issue you're very passionate about, you know, I, I question their commitment to the, to the Constitution when, that, when it comes to that point because the ballot box is really where so much is happening right now, especially during these last midterms. You know, I see it in 2020 being – a major point. I really do. Mm, I think that there's no way for it to not be because the, you know, for how many years were, were we, uh, those of us that value our second amendment rights and support the constitution made out to look like we were conspiracy theorists or we were, you know, over the top because, you know, they're not coming for your guns. Calm down, right, is is how we were talked to for years. And now, over the last two years, I would say, we are definitely seeing the mask fall away from the politicians um, and even the activist journalists out there that, uh, no, that is indeed what their end goal is. Um, from Nancy Pelosi uh, on down the line, they've said in various forms, yeah, we really, we don't, we don't think that you poor, simple uh, civilians should uh, or can bear the responsibility of these tools of self-defense. And again, we go back to that, how can we not be on the defensive, but I wish we were on the offensive. Well I wish we were ahead of this curve at some point in yeah. time. Well, the, the the push against this is pretty heavy because, as you said, the the obviously distorted media their their ideology consumes all things. You know, they're the ones who are going to lead off the story, and unfortunately, a lot of people that's their food. That's what they they get all the information from. NBC mm-hmm. or ABC, and it's so utterly biased. It's just, it's incredible. So we're fighting uphill. So to take a take an offensive stance, it's difficult unless we have a lot more two a friendly or two a you know proud people in government where we can mm. take a governmental stance. Whereas you can talk bad about guns all you want, 
But mm-hmm. if we have a strong two-way, you know, respecting um, body of, of governance, then we, we can make changes. And one thing I would say is a, a lot of points, a lot of times I get discussion, getting discussions with two-way people, and I, I get it. They're, they're frustrated with the state of things. We need to go on the offense. Well, you need to pick your battles to begin with. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, one, one thing I get a lot of time, we need to, you know, ditch the NFA. All machine guns should be legal. And, and whether you believe that or not, that's a big chunk. That's a big fight. <laughs> and that, that's a, that is a perception issue above all things. I mm-hmm. think there are better battles to have long before we start talking about the NFA. So mm-hmm. let, I would say, you know, let's not jump to the end. Let's make a bucket list of what we want to accomplish and win some battles to begin with and slowly, you know, educate people. And then maybe we, we move for bigger chunks. But right now, let, let's not worry about machine guns. Let's, let's just worry about people being able to have a defensive firearm in every state in the country. Mm-hmm. So you've said so much there. Um, you know, it, it, it's important to have the big ask, right? Oh, yeah. It's, I, and the other side shows us that all the time. They make the big ask. It sounds ridiculous. But then you look back in a couple of years and it's like, oh, you know what? You go where your eyes take you. You know, you go where your eyes are looking. And their eyes are looking at the big ask. And they are making these strides. And so much of it is cultural. Like you were talking about in uh, in Massachusetts, I think is where you said that. Yeah. You know, and that does begin in the home and in our small groups and that sort of thing. But it's up to us to re-normalize firearms. And, you know, where we're trying to make the big ask for repealing the NFA and machine guns and all that, fine. But culturally speaking, that isn't, again, it's going to make people that have no experience and knowledge with firearms, it's just going to shut them down and freak them out. Exactly. Right. (laughs) So let's show them that we are normal, that we are reasonable, that we are not these, there's no equal sign between Fred Masterson, Cheryl Todd, and these people who do these horrific uh, murders. And that's what people see. And they equate those the tools themselves and those own tools with that that I don't want to use the word crazy that's overused it's misused um but with that degree of um of of murder and violence that is not us that's not what our our tools are about that's not what we're going to ever use these tools for and we have to be able to to no- renormalize cuz it used to be completely normal oh, absolutely. for every Every single home to have multiple firearms. Oh yeah, my high school had a shooting range in the basement. It was exactly that was such a normal part of culture, and the distortion really comes down to the media. It mm-hmm. really they make it seem like there's a mass shooting every four seconds, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it really is. Just, it, it, it is kabuki theater. Is what it is. They have an idea of what they want society to be, and they will paint and control the dialogue in order to make people believe that to be the case. And it's not that people are ignorant. It's just that people in some cases are not, I don't want to say they're lazy, but they take what they see and that's what it is. It was on the internet. Mm -hmm. It was on the news. So it's true. Mm -hmm. And it just, that's just not the case. And I agree completely. The best way to combat that is 
in your in your circles of influence, in your spheres of influence. If you can touch and work with people over a year, maybe you work with ten people. Well, if ten thousand of us do that, our numbers mm-hmm. our numbers just grew exponentially. Mm-hmm. And it really well, is one step at a time. And inviting people out to the range, um, as long as when you invite them to the range, it is a controlled and a safe experience, yeah. then it can just be pure fun. Um, you know, don't take some, and we've all maybe made this mistake. Don't take a newbie out to the range and hand them the biggest, baddest, loudest handgun oh, yeah. you own and then giggle when it scares them. Uh, because you have just seared into their memories that, wow, this is scary and people are going to laugh at me. So That's exactly right. Uh, We've talked about that before, you know, when, when teaching any new shooter, it, we sit online all the time. You see the YouTube videos. You know, they, mm-hmm. they put a giant gun in somebody's hands and they all giggle and laugh about it. That person's now an anti-gun person. Yep. They may not be yep. openly, but if you say guns or, oh, no, I've shot. Oh, no, no. So we yeah. have to be, and it's something you referenced earlier, you need, we need to be good stewards. We need to be responsible. We need to make sure that we're measuring what we're doing because our goal is to make the make the experience pleasant, pleasurable. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it, it's not it's not giggle time. No, it really isn't. And I think uh, we also that will help uh, do this next thing that's so important. And and we have to find more and more ways to do this next thing, which is to help the people that are not um, like minded with us about our Constitution and our rights and and the tools of defense. Help them see that we aren't about uh, you know, well, it's my right and that's it. And everybody should have a, a gun in their hand because somehow they equate that to, we don't care when people get hurt. Yeah, I don't, I can't even imagine how that happened, but I've been in multiple conversations where I've realized it's important for me to convey to the person I'm talking about, talking to about this subject that no, the, we just need more people that follow the laws. We don't need more laws. We just need more people that follow the laws because we are we are the biggest guard dogs. People like you and people like me, people like your listeners, we are the biggest guard dogs of the rules because the rules are what keep us safe. And if we're safe, then there's no need for people to be afraid and want more laws. Right. Exactly right. And once again, that's a perception that's painted by a lot of times by media and social media. You know, uh, whenever there's a shooting, you know, there's blood on the hands of the NRA. What? How? how what? That that makes my head explode. Like, how, how the hell did the NRA get dragged into this? You know, we're the most. Lo- and the one that gets me the most, I'm like, trust me, folks, if the NRA was the problem, you would know it. Okay, mm-hmm. we've got mm-hmm. enough. We got enough guns. You know, it would be a problem, but we're not, because the average gun owner, gun owner, is your neighbor. They're a polite, friendly person. They're respectful. They're generally very, you know, law centric. They follow the laws. We follow the rules. We're not some bunch of gangbangers <laughs> living in a trailer somewhere, shooting <laughs> the windows out of cars that drive by. It just I think that's the picture that gets painted in a lot of people's minds. That's the way they see. It. That's the way they see gun owners. So true. So um, 
two things I want to touch on before we run out of time. One is when I talked about, you know, we've got to have that big ask, um, you know, it's important to kind of play all areas of the field. Well, we have this thing that's sitting on a shelf right now. When I say we, I'm not really meaning we, I'm meaning the Democratic Party. When they say they're coming for your guns, believe them. They have this HR 5087. Everybody needs to take a moment. I know we're busy. I know we're on overload. It's Thanksgiving week, all of that. Make a note of it in your phone. Jot it down. Look it up. HR 5087. It is the new, in air quotes, assault weapons ban. This thing is, I mean, if you thought the other assault weapons ban was intrusive, um, it, it wasn't even at all. It was laughable. It was, you know, it had training wheels on it. This new ban will take pretty much every single thing that is a semi-automatic anything and ban it. So what am I talking about with this? It's been written up. It has co-signers throughout the Democratic Party. How many co-signers? 176 Democrats have put their name to this. What are they waiting for? Well, they just got the House. Yeah. If they get the Senate and or the presidency, then this thing comes off the shelf. They blow off the top layer of dust. And guess where we go? That's exactly right. And that's that's their playbook. The thing that I've mentioned before is patience. That's one thing that the left has. Mm-hmm. Patience. So they... I, I'm right there with you, Cheryl. The idea that you know they are coming for your guns. This is mm-hmm. not this is not some fantasy thing. And and using your terms, you know, they, it is a big ask, and they're they're focused on the big ask because if they get the opportunity, they'll do it. Absolutely, will do it. Um, we've we've seen them do do it before in other in other areas of the government. It's giant giant chunks of of turf that they grab all at one time. Well, we're standing there going, they'll never do that. They'll never. Well, they did that. Yeah, and the exactly. Idea, the idea that they would execute that bill is, I, I guarantee you they'll try to make it happen. And why would they not? I mean, they've already got 176 people uh, standing behind it. And does that mean that all 176 people fully understand even the ramifications of what they put their name to? Absolutely not. So it's a again it comes back to you and i we have got to be interacting with our elected officials whether they are on your our team you know whether they're a republican whether they're independent whether they're a democrat you've got to be interacting with them because they are human beings and even though they've ascribed to a, a certain political party and some of them are purely political creatures, and they are just always going to go with the party line. Mm-hmm. But that is not the case uh, with every single person. And if you are talking with them, if you're you know, using your influence, if you're trying to help compel them to understand what this is going to do to the future of not just our children with the R's, right? Not just our children. Uh, maybe we're not even politically active, but everyone's children, um, in the future to be this disconnected from the rights that were set in place. There are God-given rights 
right? But the the Second Amendment legally protects them um, in in the courts. But it this is this is a real concern, and we need to be talking about it. We need to bring it into the light of day and not just let it sit quietly on a dark shelf somewhere and then later come out and and surprise us. Exactly. Well said. And that's a, that's a very good point to bring up. One thing you spoke about, too, is while some politicians may be, you know, they're adamant about anti-Second Amendment things, a lot of times they're just team players. Mm-hmm. And what I find more than anything else is a vast majority of them have no idea what they're talking about. And I, I know that's a big surprise, but <laughs> <laughs> shocking. But sometimes the things mm-hmm. that politicians or the media people say, you know, it's laughable to us and it'll get a few days of social media play. But it is the truth. These people that are anti-gun or doing these anti-Second you know, Second Amendment things, a lot of times they have no concept of, of what the ramifications are. What, what, is the, what are the ripples from this decision? They just don't realize that. You know, the new red flag law that went into effect, and there was already mm-hmm. um, a lethal encounter with that. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot of things going on here that people just don't realize. And it's important, in my opinion, to try to educate our legislators as well. So at, I'm, I'm with you. We need to contact them. Say, hey, listen, I want you to understand that while this law here's here's what's gonna happen. This isn't just you know assault rifles are bad. And it's gonna, this is gonna take away everything. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make sure mm-hmm. you understand that. And how, how do you feel about that? And some politicians, like you said, are purely political creatures. You know, California uh, Representative Eric Swalwell. I mean, he opened up his mouth. Oh. He, you know, su- suggested that you know the federal in taking away guns. If there's any pushback, well, the federal government has nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. And he, he laughs about it because I po- as soon as that happened, I I, I tweeted something. I said I have a, a countdown clock. Or when he all of a sudden says he was just joking, or when he tries mm-hmm. to walk it back. But mm-hmm. while obviously they're not going to drop a nuclear weapon, but the idea that he is that aggressive about it, he is that anti-gun. That he mm-hmm. would suggest that they would use essentially military force to take away the guns. These people exist. They do. And the messaging behind that, I think, is what we really need to have our ears perked up for. Because, you know, yeah, it's easy to to just use it as a thing to poke fun at him or to kind of laugh off or however people are interacting with it. But at some point down the line, is somebody could really truly believe in their hearts well this is the degree of threat that gun owners present that it was somehow reasonable for somebody to say well we'll you know we have nuclear weapons it it sounds ridiculous but this is the other thing i wanted to say and just kind of walk you through what we've witnessed i think just in the past i don't know probably 10 years which is a blink so all right, so the AR-15, right? Whatever, whatever it is, it's it's just a a rifle. It's just a an elongated semi-automatic. Um, you know, this is what I try to tell people that are so afraid of the AR-15. Uh, I say, well, you know, picture whatever kind of a 1911 or an, a Glock, right? Well, that operationally, functionally, is the exact same thing. It is a one-for-one ratio. It's one pull of the trigger for one projectile coming out the end of the gun. You know, so your Glock has a short barrel, 
Uh, AR-15 has a long barrel. It's a way oversimplified uh, way of talking about it. And our, our, our gun techies out there are probably their heads are exploding. But for for discussing it with my neighbor, it worked. It helped paint a picture and help them see, oh, well, then why are we so afraid of this thing? And I say, exactly. Why are you so afraid of it? Well, because first of all, someone somewhere came up with this this word, this term, assault rifle. Well, the people on our side of the fence said, well, what, that's, that's kind of cool sounding. So we're going to appropriate that. So now both sides of the fence call this piece of equipment an assault rifle. So the people on the opposite side from this debate then, that you and I stand on, they use that to, to spread fear. Those of us on this side just feel like it makes us sound tough and cool, yeah. right? But it's not working in our favor. And so then for several years, we kept watching the media every single time there was any kind, whether it was local news, whether it was national news, any time there was a uh, incident where a firearm may or may not have been used, we heard that an AR-15 was involved. Every single time. Yeah, to the point that there are memes out there poking fun at that because, you know, they're like, well, the, the guy used a, a toaster to, you know, bludgeon his neighbor and it was an AR-15 toaster. You know, it just yeah. it got ridiculous. And the whole time that we're giggling and laughing and saying, well, they're idiots because they got it wrong, they were actually teaching the public something. They were teaching the public the AR-15s are like crawling up out of holes in the ground they're everywhere they're sprouting legs on their own and they're they're creating mayhem in our world right so we think it's cute and funny they were using it to move the ball in the direction culturally to create fear and uh and really casting gazes of suspicion on anyone that may even want an AR-15 or own an AR-15. And now we have this Swalwell guy saying things about nukes. Oh, that's funny. That's cute. I think there's messaging going on there. Maybe not. Maybe I'm overlooking it or, you know, seeing it as bigger than what it is. But when I look back at where we've come in a very short period of time, that it, it has created fear out of really gossamer, created fear out of lies you know what what would we see a couple years down the line if we could you know get in the the way forward machine (laughs) instead of the way back machine um and see where this kind of messaging has taken us well it really is it's a matter of social conditioning is what it is we Mm -hmm. we see it um my gosh i've seen it Uh, if you're if you can step back a moment and really Taking it for what it's worth, it really is social conditioning. As you said, the media, especially everything is AR-15. When, in fact, Mm -hmm. you know that there's no AR-15 involved, they're socially conditioning people to understand, to believe that AR-15s are evil. And that anybody who owns one is probably an evil person. There's no need for this gun. It's just a a military gun. And I, I honestly think that they're testing their messaging as well, you know. I think that was that an off the cuff remark for him, possibly, but it wasn't by any stretch of imagination an accident. He didn't say that mm-hmm. by accident. Mm-hmm. He's he's trying to push the needle 
to where, mm-hmm. well, you know, we just we just activated the military and violating prosecutatus, and well, we had to come and take these guns from this little you know collective. Mm. But at least we didn't nuke them, though. And yeah, people, and I really I agree with you completely. I think it's really a matter of messaging. Yeah, and once again, social conditioning, and it sounds conspiratorial, but folks, it's happening all the time. It's going on all around you, especially in Hollywood. Um, believe in the climate change or not, whatever. I just recently went to two movies with my son, and both of them, obviously, at, one, at certain points in the movie, just kind of pause and talk about social about climate change mm. and how the earth is ending <laughs> you know within years the earth will end because of climate change and then the movie continued it was mm-hmm. so obviously a message a conditioning mm-hmm. message directed at a young audience and if you don't think that that's going on i have some shocking news for you it is absolutely going on and you need to be aware of it we do but that requires us to engage critical thinking yeah you know, to chew on the information that we're being handed and not just let it wash over us. Um, and, and I, you know, I just don't, I don't even know if in schools, are they even still teaching critical thinking? Because I see it employed so rarely. Um, it, it, that makes my head explode, you know, uh, you know, you talk about going to the movie, and absolutely, I, I've i experienced it myself. And it's just one of those moments where I'm like, okay, let me know when the commercial's over. Well said. And well okay, said. back to the movie. Well said. And in regards to critical thinking in schools, you know, here's here's another conspiratorial thing. It doesn't help the liberal agenda at all for, for kids to be highly educated or to have critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. And I believe in a lot of cases it's been intentionally avoided. And, mm-hmm. and replaced with PC training or, you know, basket weaving or whatever. There's so many things. And I sound like my dad. When we went to school, you know, <laughs> back in the olden days, you know, you had to, we had constitution and things like this. Those classes just don't exist for the most part. Some places they do. But for the most part, they don't. And that's not an accident, my friends. It's not an accident. They're, they're able to control what's being taught. And this – you know, to some people right now, you guys are rolling your eyes. I know what you're thinking. Eh, whatever. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's it's not as far off the ball as you think it is. Having had, you know, I've put two kids to school and my son's getting ready to graduate. And, you know, I've seen it happen firsthand. So to dismiss it offhand is really what's dismissing things like this is really what's helped get us where we're at now. Because mm-hmm. people dismiss so much of this is not, you know, they're not coming for our guns. Well, we've been telling you. For 25 years, they've been coming for your guns, and now you're seeing it. But they've made so many strides, they've made so much, they covered so much ground that now the fight's on. If we were to listen to people, you know, 25 years ago, you know, we might be in a better position. But take these threats against the Second Amendment seriously because they are serious. They have no no intention of stopping either. No, they really don't. And. You know, if anybody is rolling their eyes, I don't blame you. You know, I mean, I've been there myself over the years uh, about different things. But what if we're half right? You know, what if what if we are half right about the things that um, our public schools are choosing to um, leave out of lessons? Uh, Maybe they're not actually purposely adding things in. But what are they leaving 
out. You know, civics is is has been out for far too long oh, and yeah. in far too many schools. And then, you know, on the point of, you know, if if we are conspiracy theorists on any individual point that we have talked about on this show at, during this time or, you know, at any other time, I heard recently, and I love this, uh, a detective was being interviewed and he said, well, actually, every good detective and who doesn't love a good Columbo, right? Oh, exactly. Every good detective is a conspiracy theorist because you've got to look at every conceivable notion, you know, well, did the aliens come down and do, I don't know, maybe. And if they did, then what, you know, you've got to be able to expand your mind and look at things and weigh them against what most likely is and most likely isn't. Um, I think we've lost that because we're so afraid to be made fun of. Um, well, that's it too. There's, there's two points to that to be made fun of or to be labeled. And that has yeah. been the biggest weapon of the left. Honestly, has been the biggest weapon of the left. To if you disagree with them, then they use the word of the day, which is all they it's all they have. I, <laughs> An I, ism of some sort, I, right? I honestly believe that there's some sort of think tank in Washington that generates new phrases and new words because <laughs> in the last 10 years I've had so many brand new words shoved down my throat. I'm like, what is that word? Microaggression. We are embodying this new word exactly. that you know they just made up. Exactly, you just made these up, and and that's your flavor <laughs> of the day. the The false intellectualism that that permeates the left is hilarious, and people jump so on true. board. But it's it's pretty funny to listen to. So true, yeah. but we we have to engage with our children and our grandchildren and their friends as as we can. I used to be the carpool mom because A, I would learn so much by just listening to the kids talk to each other, right? So if I had just driven my daughter home and then asked her, hey, what happened at school today or what'd you learn at school today? Oh, nothing. Everything's fine. But when I'm driving the car and listening to the kids chatter it with each other in the back seat or my house was where, you know, they had a lot of sleepovers. My daughter, I had a, just one daughter, a uh, single child, but she always ran in packs. She had tons of friends and just listen to them talk with each other. That's when we really learn what's going on and uh, how, how our kids are being treated at school and how they're treating others at school. And that's important. And then when you engage with them, play the devil's advocate. You know, if you're super conservative and, you know, you feel like they're being taught liberal things, be strong enough and brave enough to engage in that area. Oh, well, why do you think that? What do you and and then join them in it? Play that devil's advocate for a while, because, again, you're meeting them where they are and then they'll be more inclined to be able to consider this other thought process. I think that's so important. Exactly. I think you hit a home run with that, in my opinion. You know, if we can find common ground with them, if you can accept or at least allow them to believe that you are willing to listen to them, that we don't immediately dismiss their beliefs or their fears or whatever it is, you, you find common ground. And when you do that, they're not intimidated. They don't shut the door to you, and they're much more willing to listen. Absolutely. And they can smell a fake and a phony a mile away. Oh, yeah. So, 
you know, if if this is something that you've not done before or you've always been super pegged out in one direction or the other, you know, help them by, you know, say, I I want to understand the way you're thinking. I I know that you be, you know I believe these things, but I I really would love to to understand your way of thinking better. Then you're being genuine. It, you they know if you suddenly put on this mask of, no, I believe everything you do, they're they're going to dismiss you oh, immediately. You know it's true. You know it's true. <laughs> Well, Cheryl, man, my gosh, we've covered a little bit of ground here today, haven't we? <laughs> we really have. Yeah. And if I could have one more minute, I wanted to touch on those red flag laws. Sure. And what I wanted to say about them is that they are so insidious in the results that we are going, that we've already seen happen and that we're going to see happen. So the authorities showed up at a man's house. They encountered him. He did not immediately just give up all of his rights and disarm, and he ended up being shot by the police. So people on one side of the fence, they're going to look at those results and they're going to say, well, see, he he was a danger. Thank God for these red flag laws. Clearly, he must have been a danger because he ended up dead. People on the other side of the fence are going to use the exact same scenario and say, see, this is what happens when you try to disarm the citizenry. They're going to stand their ground and they're not going to give in and people are going to die for their rights. And what have we learned? We've learned it's zero. We don't know whether they work or whether they don't work, but both sides are going to use them for their purposes. Do I have a therefore, here's what we should do about it? Other than I think they're they're a well-meaning but very dangerous law. I that's all I really had to well, say, it, but I wanted is, to be sure we were thinking about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a very slippery slope, a very slippery slope. And what it comes down to is 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 our trust in our government or our, our <laughs> governmental officials, our trust in them to execute those correctly. And mm-hmm. we've seen so much abuse, though, of of those mm-hmm. of those charge that charge that you know I just I don't trust them. I just don't trust them. There's no the structure, and it's just not firm enough. It's not clear enough, and it, I I just see so much abuse coming from it. So, mm. amen. Yeah. So, well, Cheryl, I I appreciate your time more than you know. You know, what's new and upcoming for you? Do you have any super cool schedule we should be aware of? Well, uh, we always have just guests that come on our show. I, I always say when somebody says yes to me, I just I'm like, wait a minute, do you do you know who I am? I am nobody. Like, why are you coming on oh, my show? You're being you're being too modest. <laughs> but it really it, it's just such a a wonderful opportunity that I, I I would not have been afforded at any other time or place in history that. Uh, my husband Dan and I were entrepreneurs. We're we're small business owners. Uh, right now we have two two businesses: AZ Firearms, a small mom and pop's gun shop, and Potagold Estate Auctions, which is an auction house. And we started this radio show for the very reasons you and I were talking about throughout this entire conversation to to be able to broaden our our scope of knowledge and influence. 
So it's an in and an out. So we're broadening our knowledge by the amazing people that come on. It's an interview-based show. We've had you on. We've had some incredible people on that they come with their area of expertise, their their body of work from their life and talk to us. I start from I want to know. I'm curious. So I want to ask these questions. And in the process, I'm helping to engage and educate anybody who happens to to tune in. And we have listeners all over the world. We had an umpteen in Switzerland. We had like 600 in Switzerland last month. Fantastic. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on in Switzerland, but <laughs> they must be hungry for what we've got here in, in America. Um, so just the idea that I have this opportunity is big and exciting and, um, you know, the list of guests grows with every uh, new passing day that I meet someone new or I hear an idea that I want to explore more. But it's really based in the principles of, um, you know, that, that idea of Ronald Reagan saying that if we aren't teaching, if we aren't passing that baton of knowledge and values and rights, you know, from the past generation, from my dad's hands, if I'm not passing that from my dad's hands to my daughter's hands, then what have I done with my life? And the radio show is a, a big piece of that. Understood. Well, it's a great show, folks. Honestly, I, I encourage you to, to, to hunt it down. It's easy to find, Gun Freedom Radio. Uh, Cheryl's got a ton. Of, and you can listen to past shows as well, obviously. She's got them all cataloged on, on the site, and I really encourage you to listen in. Uh, Cheryl, once again, I, I sincerely appreciate you taking time to visit with us. It's been an absolute honor to talk with you today. Thank you, Fred. Same here. Thanks so much, and have a happy, safe, and blessed Thanksgiving. You all the same to you. Folks, thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, I ask you to help us out by sharing the word, pass, pass it around, let people know this is a great show for everybody here in our community. And until we talk to you again, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Skillset Radio Network. For more Alpha Lifestyle podcasts, visit SkillsetRadio.com. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and share it with a friend because together we can really make the show grow and make it even better than it is now. While you're out there, make sure you follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, Cinemass Podcast. So once again, I hope you enjoyed the show. Share it with your friends. And until I see you next time, stay safe. All right. Great discussion. I hope uh, everyone will take that and go into their circles of influence and and use some of the topics and and techniques that Fred and I had a chance to discuss on his show. But, Dan, we got to wrap up. It's time already? to run already, I know, right? So uh, I definitely want to uh, thank Fred for having me on his show. I want to thank our tech crew, thank our listeners, thank Scott and Demi and all of our guests that ever come on our show. And, uh, you know, as we go into our week, I want to remind you to pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? All of them, Dan. Uh, <laughs> Even the ones you don't like. You're really pushing it again. Especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. <laughs>